Years ago, my parents lived for a while in Kansas. Almost every summer, Barbara and I would drive from the East Coast to California. We were living in the East, but we'd grown up in California. And we would stop to see my parents in Kansas on the way. I cannot think of a single time in which we arrived in Kansas without a storm. Thunderstorms in Kansas may or may not whip you up to the land of Oz, but they certainly shake your confidence. Driving on a narrow two-lane road with a deep ditch on either side, with the wind jerking our little car all over the road and rain so dense we could hardly see, even with our wipers frantically sweeping the windshield, not knowing when the next lightning blast or, God forbid, tornado was coming. That was terrifying. We always did end up in my parents' home, secure and dry and serene. But the danger had been real, and so was our fear. There are many kinds of storms. Political storm storms that start wars or separate families. Personal storms that bring long battles of their own. They can start with a little warning, maybe just with a word. Your doctor says, I'm concerned about that lump in your neck. I think we should give it a closer look. Or you hear a bit of gossip about your spouse. Or on the news, the North Koreans are testing missiles again and won't negotiate. There are all kinds of storms crashing through our world, upsetting and threatening bringing chaos and fear. Ancient Israel did not like literal storms or metaphorical ones either, and particularly they didn't like storms at sea. They loved the life-giving power of water from gentle soaking rain on their crops, but they were very fearful of the chaos of the ocean. We heard this in Psalm 107. They some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the mighty waters. For he raised the stormy wind, which wave lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their calamity. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. At times... Israel made a metaphorical connection between the ocean's threatening chaos and their own threatened political status. The sea was like the nations that surrounded the two little kingdoms, plotting and threatening the chaos of war and invasion and depopulation. In a storm at sea, in the other storms we can name, there is no stability. Nothing that one can stand on securely, no place firm or solid. Up and down in waves of hope and despair, sinking, <clears throat> drowning, threatening to lose everything. The storms in our lives can bring a kind of primeval chaos. What one was standing on is taken away. There is no firm ground for one's feet. One loses control over one's life the ultimate fear of one kind of death or another. And in the midst of that chaos, so often there is an apparent absence of God. <coughs> Jesus was asleep in the boat. In today's gospel, the cry, 
we hear, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? True enough, there is only one who is greater than any sea or any storm. In Psalm 95, the sea is his for he made it, and his hands have molded the dry land. When nothing seems real or solid, when all control is lost, there is one who is Lord of all. God created all things, and God's power to save is unlimited. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad because they had quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wonderful works to humankind. Now, that's true. God does still some storms. Jesus does. Yet the difficulty for me is this. God does deliver some of us from some storms, but not everyone from all. When God is silent and the storm is not stilled, I do not know why. Perhaps it is that some deliverances are deferred until the day when God heals all things. Not everything on earth follows God's will, or else we would not pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But whether God acts now or seems to be asleep in the boat, there is one crucial step the storm invites us to take. The disciples did not have much faith any more than I do when threatened by a new storm in my life. They woke Jesus in a panic and were rebuked, but basically they did the right thing. They turned to Jesus, and that itself brought a crucial change, not just making the storm cease, but leading them to recognize who it was who was in the boat with them. Storm or not, they were not alone and they were not deserted. The storms that sweep away all the grounds our feet can stand on securely can indeed help us to make a basic transition, not just to go to God to replace all our familiar stability so that we can forget God again, but to know and trust the one who is with us in the storm. Finally, there is only one who can save the triune God, whose love and power is revealed in Jesus' death and resurrection. For the great political and religious storm took Jesus himself, and God raised Jesus from the dead. Storms are important. For all their destructiveness, they reveal the Lord of the storm, who will never leave us to ourselves. God, to know whom is eternal life, that relationship, God's endless love for us, and that alone is the solid ground on which our feet can stand secure, even when the wind is rising. As we already prayed this morning, O Lord, make us have perpetual in love and reverence for thy holy name, while thou never failest to help and govern those whom thou hast set upon the sure foundation of thy loving kindness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.